Let's do it. Welcome back to Draft Vice, everybody. I'm Walter. It is time we're doing it. It is Draft Vice season, everybody. You know why? It's always Draft Vice season. Don't matter if there's football or not. So we're here, we're talking about the draft, and whose draft we're talking about? The Falcons and Lions. Detroit, Matt Patricia's team. Atlanta, ooh la la. That's right, Atlanta. All right, so let's move on. All right, we don't need me singing full-on beats here. Yeah, we're talking about Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons. It's the team that I feel like everybody's not really talking about very much um, because they were confused by their draft. Like Again, I think a lot of people who were not in the NFL looked at their first rounder, who's A.J. Terrell out of Clemson, and they went, oh, yeah, we, just, we, we don't get that ex exactly at all. So uh, we're going to get a little bit more into their offseason, what led to this point. Let's go into the draft picks first, though, right? So they traded for – they did well, they, they did trade, actually. They traded for Hayden Hurst. I should have – I was going into the draft picks, and I decided to say they traded. So, yes, they traded. They traded during the season for uh, – they traded Mohamed Sanu away for a second-round pick. And then in the offseason, they traded that second-round pick for Hayden Hurst of the, the tight end of the Baltimore Ravens. So there you go. But by doing that – um, they were back down to one second round pick. Now, they went ahead, first round pick 16. Who There was all these rumors going around. Falcons were going to trade up. They're going to go get their guy. They were going to trip to nine. They were going to trip to 10. There was a lot, a lot of rumors. And uh, I got to be honest, uh, they didn't. I kind of thought it was a smoke screen. Because uh, we heard this last year, right? Atlanta's going to be Atlanta's going to be hardcore, uh, move fast, get their guy kind of team, and they did do it last year. But they did it for Caleb McGarry, who was the second guy they took. They traded a couple of picks to move back into the first round. So I didn't think they were actually going to be all that uh, what you call it, climby of the uh, the draft ranks, if you will. So, no, they didn't do it. In fact, in fact, what they did is they stayed to their board, and at 16, they took A.J. Terrell out of Clemson. Uh, to the, the draft community, to the people on the outside, that looked like a crazy move because nobody thought he was going there. They thought that was a little overrated. They saw him get beat up in the Clemson game, the, the LSU game by Jamar Chase, which, to be fair, so did literally anybody who played Jamar Chase. And uh, what we what was noted about him by anybody who watched that game was actually he was doing pretty well in the beginning. He stayed in phase the whole time. He just didn't win at the catch point because it's Jamar Chase and the guy's probably going in the first round next year. So A.J. Terrell uh, was highly rated on a lot of teams' boards, not inside the league and not outside the league, but inside the league. I happen to know for a fact multiple teams. In fact, New Orleans said they liked AJ Terrell. He was one of the two players that they wanted in the first round that weren't the wasn't the guy that they took. Um so yeah, AJ Terrell had uh, fans in Oakland, in New Orleans, maybe the Cowboys even. Uh and he goes to the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta was actually willing to trade up to go get this guy too. If they were worried about a cornerback run early on in the class, they were worried and willing to go ahead and jump up and get him. Didn't have to happen. So they had a need at corner. They cut Trufant. They uh, they had targeted this guy from the beginning, right? And what traits pushed him up top? He's 6'1", ran a 4'4", at the combine. His agility, his body control. He's got natural ball skills. He's, uh, he's the full package at corner. That's what they want. That's what Dan Quinn wants. They wanted an outside corner. That's been his most experience. Dan Quinn said, we wanted an outside corner. This is what this guy does well. 
and they honed in on him. They were they looked at picks nine to twelve to see if they could trade up to get to him to see where other teams were going to go. This is something we've actually been able to, to to peg during this is that teams do pay attention to what other teams are thinking of doing. They have friends. They talk to people. They've got spies. Everybody. They hack each other's phones. Actually, I don't know about this one. I don't know about that part, but I do think they have an idea of what other teams are willing to do. They they have it. They do mock drafts, but not only that, they talk. They're all friends. They got friends and organizations. They go, Yo, Billy, Bobby's over here uh, running our draft board. He thinks you guys are gonna go ahead and get a D tackle. They do an in depth analysis of every team. And they do it way more than what the media does. They do it way more than what I do. And what they do is they say, listen, we know what these guys want. They keep track of who goes where. And the, and you try to, like, run a smoke screen and do stuff like that. So, listen, Atlanta had a, an idea. They had a plan to get this guy, right? They honed in on him in the top 15 picks to see where all the corners were going to go. And they saw the receiver tackle run. They went, well, we didn't have to trade up anyway. Um. Like I said, they were looking at three players for 16. Not all of them necessarily were corners, they were saying. Um, they had no offers to move up. Like, they, they didn't give any offers to move up, right? They had, they had talked to people. They were like, listen, maybe we will move up. Um, they even talked about the LSU game, right? They were like, listen, man, he was good. He played in phase the whole time. You Like, like you know, looking at the pictures, not just one game, right? One game is not, not going to dissuade them. Uh, they were always focused on him for the corner position. They prioritized this position. They needed this position. And again, like I said before, he's got speed and length to play with all different receivers. He fits the cover three system. And uh, he's going to be challenged, man. He's going to be going up against Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. He's got Ricardo Lewis to help mentor him. Um, he played in a lot of big games. They valued that. They also valued Dabo Sweeney. Right, they they uh, they call him up. They said, "Hey, Dabo, what does this guy have on the mental side?" And he's like, "Listen, man, this guy's got the mental makeup of Deshaun Watson. Yeah, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that guy." So again, they were, you know, uh, Thomas Dimitrov has a good relationship with Dabo Sweeney. He said, "Listen, man, if he's saying that he's got the same mental makeup as Grady Jarrett and and uh, Deshaun Watson." We've got to go with it. We've got to stick with the guy who's uh, who, who we like, and that's who we're going to go with. So now they have a young corner group, right? They got Kendall, they've got Oliver, they got AJ Terrell. Uh, they've got uh, they've gotten better uh, on the back end. It looks like I think AJ Terrell can actually be a very good player for them. Uh, I think he was getting a little bit blown up because of his gameplay in in the LSU game. So. Round two comes along, right? And they go for Marlon Davidson out of Auburn, right? They went into night two trying to get better on interior and offensive line. These are the trenches. They wanted to get better here, right? So, uh, you know, they like the line of scrimmage game. This is very much Dan Quinn's thing. Beat him up at the line of scrimmage. And uh, they were thinking going DND tackle the whole time. Going to try and get him over the tackle and the guard. Uh, he's going to probably be a D-end in base, which you don't really run a lot of base anymore in the NFL. You run it like maybe a third of the time, not even. So they're going to try and get him at D-end. And then in pass rush situations, get him lined up over the guards and tackle. Get him lined up over guards, right? Get him at three technique. Stick him in next to Grady Jarrett, like, you know, third and 15, third and 10. You know, get him to be able to get you know get to the quarterback and get to him quick. Uh, you know, he showed strong you know strength and urgency at the Senior Bowl. 
Uh, you know, Dan Quinn has a good feel about how he'll play. And like I said, he's interested in adding that kind of power to his defensive line. So that's the thing that we've noticed, though, right, with uh, with the defensive line in Atlanta. It's been a lot of speed and, like, focus on athleticism, right? They didn't take up Tack McKinley's fifth-year option. They let Vic Beasley walk. So it sounds like they're trying to go for a different direction on D-line, guys who are maybe powerful and not just fast, uh, utilizing strength and, and, you know, not just quickness and not just the ability to bend. But, again, it's a, still a position of need for them. They were like, listen, we need to get better out in the trenches. They went and they went at them. Um, you know, they, they said they had a lot of uh, positive uh, reactions to taking both him and Matt Hennessy, who, again, uh, for Matt Hennessy, that was a guy they said they wanted to go get better on the interior. That's a guy who a lot of teams had high on their board. Uh, I happen to know for a fact there are other teams that liked Hennessy. There was even a potential trade between Denver and the Jets where Denver was going to move up to take Hennessy, and then Atlanta took Hennessy, and they went. They stuck to their board, and they got J- Lloyd Cushenberry, which is weird because those two guys are not exactly the same kind of center, um, kind of fit different schemes, different style offenses, but I kind of like it. I still think it's a good idea. I just thought that was a little interesting to, to note. Um, like I said before, uh, Marlon Davidson, uh, on early rounds, he's going to probably be a D end on the base. And then on third downs, they're going to have him be like a nickel rusher scenario. Uh, they were even shocked that he was available when they picked in the second round. This was a guy who was, you know, end of the first early second kind of peg. Like people thought he was going to go in the top 50, uh, maybe top 30, even maybe go to like Tennessee Titans. Cause they just got rid of Jarrell Casey. So they, they were, a lot of teams were pegging him for a top 50 pick. This was a guy who they were happy to get in the second round. They they really they really liked this player a lot. Um, with Hennessy, this was a guy who they had a second round grade on, right? They were they were eager to go ahead and get him. He's tough. He's smart. He pulls at center. Uh, good for a wide zone offensive scheme. This is why I thought it was weird that Lloyd Cushenberry and him were for the same role over in Denver because Lloyd Cushenberry is really, even though he's played in a similar scheme, he was much more better situated to, you know, power football, if you will, good at anchoring, good at getting a good push right away. Um, Thomas Dimitrov said there were like four good centers and they really appreciated Matt's versatility, his athleticism, and that's who they were targeting for the second round. And then when they had Marlon Davidson there, they went for him. They're going to start him at left guard. Uh, but he has center flexibility. The uh, you know they felt like the interior offensive line kind of fell in this draft because of the the depth of tackle. And again, they saw urgency. They they, they saw him pull at center. Um, the Senior Bowl gave him an opportunity to see his versatility. Uh, you know, it's not a referendum on Alex Mack. They, Alex Mack is a Pro Bowl All Pro guy, but they said, listen, we're going to go ahead and we're going to get a guy who maybe we could develop after twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. So that's what Matt, Matt Hennessy is. He's the eventual replacement to what they have in Alex Mack. Alex Mack's getting a little bit older. Um, you know, it has been a while since he's gotten into the F- NFL. So, uh, yeah, this is who they were interested in grabbing on day two. They got two guys on the interior, uh, that uh, two guys on the on the defensive and offensive line, on the trenches, who they were very appreciative that they liked. Uh, they expect an immediate impact from both of these guys, and all three guys, Terrell, uh, Hennessy, and Marlon Davidson. All three guys were very good players. I actually, you know, again, I think a lot of teams are actually relatively impressed with this draft. I think outside the end, none of them are sexy picks, right? They're not, oh, CeeDee Lamb with that hilt in his step and the sexy sexiness. No, it wasn't that, no. 
Now, arguably, you probably could have went CeeDee Lamb in the first round, and you would have had an elite offense, and I probably wouldn't be disagreeing with you there either. Um, they said, listen, we, we had needs and we attacked needs. This is a this is a team that goes for need in the draft sometimes. Not all the time. We saw them take Calvin Ridley when he fell, and you just can't take every falling receiver. Although, again, a lot of times, you know, you're playing a lot of 11 personnel. You're playing a lot of three receiver sets, four receiver sets. So there is an argument to be made as to getting a guy like uh, CeeDee Lamb when he falls to you. They just didn't do it. So instead, they went ahead. They, they took the guy who was – you know, fit a position of need. They got rid of, like I said before, there's no more Trufant, no more Brian Poole, no more guys to, to be on the back end of that scheme. So they got to hope Isaiah Oliver contributes. They got to hope Kendall contributes. They got to hope that this guy contributes. AJ Terrell, first round pick, top 16 player. So again, day one and day two, I think they got a lot of good players, a lot of instant impact guys, guys who they were very interested in, in grabbing. Day three comes along, round four, right? They had two fourth-round picks and a seventh-round pick. Um, Mikhail Walker of Fresno State was the first pick on day three. He uh, he he's a he can run. Uh, he's a tough, versatile guy. Can rush and play inside linebacker. They're going to utilize him on special teams. They uh, they're looking at ways of using him between Sam and Nickel. Maybe he'll be a will. He's going to start out as a Sam linebacker. Maybe he'll be a designated pass rusher. Maybe they'll switch him over to Will because he's got length. Give him opportunities to see what he can do because he has the length to play Sam and like be able to utilize him to get into throwing lanes. I think he's going to find a, uh, a a position on this defense. They they've needed a guy who wasn't just the the the, the quick coverage guy, right? They need a guy who can get downhill who could use his length to get off of blocks and can also disrupt the passing game by kind of getting his arms in the air and, you know, deflecting balls. Uh, they also came into this draft with a, a need at safety, right? They said, so they went after safety in the fourth round as well. They went for the high-energy uh, fit in Jalen Hawkins at a Cal. Uh, fits right, you know, passionate, aggressive football, plays the pass well, ru runs well, Big in the turnover gain, gives him depth on the secondary, but also on special teams, you know, behind Ricardo Lewis and uh, Ricardo and uh, and uh, I can't remember the other. Uh, I got the depth chart on the other side of this, so we'll talk about the the rest of the depth on that the on on their back end. Uh, they also came in with a punter, came into the draft looking to bolster the defense. They got def uh, they got uh, defensively. It's been a defensively dominant draft, right? They got what one offensive player. Uh, they didn't go receiver. Uh, they also made a point of veteran mentorship. Like I was talking the other day with the the New Orleans draft, uh, they have a lot of veterans on that offense. It's a it's a playoff caliber team. It's a lot of older guys, so they have the ability to utilize the veteran mentorship, right? With AJ and Ricardo and. Uh, Hawkins and uh, Grady Jarrett and Marlon uh, Davidson with Mack and Hennessy. Uh, they made a point to say, listen, they didn't go after running back. It was kind of a knee, but they they still feel good about Gurley. They feel good about Ito Smith. They want to give him a shot developing. They have belief in the running back core. Uh, a lot of these guys fill leadership roles. They've all been leaders at some point. And they don't have to necessarily be a vocal leader. They just want competitors. They want guys who are going to lead by example. And again, free agency, they ha they plan to acquire three stars on offense. They focused on offense and free agency. They went defensive in the draft. That They went in with a plan. I don't know if I necessarily agree with this kind of a plan where uh, I'm more of the get as much kind of coverage as you can and fill, the, fill at least spot 
the holes in in uh, free agency if you can, and then utilize draft to get the best players and help develop those guys and utilize them to build up your team. But this is one method. This is what some teams do. They look for their their holes and they try to build them either through free agency or the draft. And here they said we had you know offensive issues. We went ahead and we attacked it through free agency and trades with Hayden Hurst and uh, Laquan Treadwell because you know that was going to be a big deal. But they attacked uh, they attacked it in free agency and then they also said, listen, you know, defense. We're going to focus on uh, that in in the draft. You know, I, I'll say this. I liked watching these interviews. Tom, Thomas Dimitrioff, dude, he looked like uh, he looked like a mad scientist, if you will. He looked like, yeah, like he looked kind of like, oh, what are you doing here? That's an interesting look for you. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy watching some of these interviews. And he 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 came on. He would talk about some of them. And you'd be like, oh, uh, when are you building the time machine to go ahead and find Marty McFly again, sir? So I, I thought this was a very, uh, very interesting draft. A very good draft, honestly. A very low key draft. Like none, of, none of the picks are sexy, right? They're not sexy, sexy picks, but they're good picks. Um, one of the things I wanted to point out, you know, I wanted to go over their depth chart a little bit. Uh, receiving core is still pretty dang good, right? They've got Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, um, you know, Russell Gage is still there. Uh, outside of those three guys, though, it's like what Laquan Treadwell. Uh, maybe they got some guys, you know, as UDFAs they'll go after, or maybe they'll make some trades and free agent, you know, trades afterwards, or go grab some free agency guys. You know, they got Alex Mack, James Carpenter, Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom, Caleb McGarry. So they've built out this offensive line. They're really trying to attack this offensive line. They've had question marks for a while. Like I said before, Hennessy is looking to start at left guard. Uh, James Carpenter also plays left guard, so it might be a battle, like a camp competition between the two of them. Uh, they did sign Justin McCray. They, uh, as said before, they went ahead and they traded for Hayden Hurst because uh, there wasn't really a lot available as far as tight end in this draft. Uh, defensively, you know, again, Tack McKinley, Grady Jarrett, uh, Tyler Davidson, Dante Fowler. Dante Fowler, who they got. So, yeah, oh, we attacked uh, We, we attacked uh, only offensive free agency. Well, yeah, you also attacked defensive free agency, too. I think Dan Quinn is feeling a little bit hurt. He's a little bit worried. His reputation as a defensive coach is being questioned here. Their defense has had some major question marks. So now they got to go ahead. They need to build it out. And uh, they, they went ahead. They, they signed Dante Fowler. They uh, they really only have one linebacker in their linebacking core who they probably really feel comfortable with, and that's Deion Jones. And then they draft a couple of guys in the draft. And uh, I, I think their their deepest room is really their safety room with uh, DeMonte Casey, Keanu Neal, um, Ricardo Allen. So these, uh, you know, I feel like their safety room is maybe the deepest thing they have on defense, maybe that, and also uh, their D-line is pretty solid now. I'm still feeling a little worried about it, but it feels like they're, it's coming together, right? Again, this is a team that was starting out the year was horrible, right? I think what, they were 1-6 in six at one point, and then they went on a run and became a 7-9 and nine team. Maybe they weren't one six. Maybe they were one five. They were they were not doing. Well. There was a point where they were talking about whether uh, Dan Quinn was going to even have a job this year. He comes back. They rally. They become a seven and nine team. Uh, I think he's still on the hot seat though. Dimitrov's still on the hot seat. These guys better go ahead and get the best they can out of this defense and make sure they make a playoff push because yeah, I think his seat's starting to get hot. Everybody, like, there's only so much getting to one Super Bowl gets you. 
But that being said, I think they've got a lot of talent on their roster. I think uh, the, the real questions come at uh, offensive coordinator. Are they going to get more out of Dirk Cotter, second year with the system, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley? Uh, you know, again, running back room actually looks kind of interesting. I know people were worried about it, but you still have Brian Hill. You still have Quadre Allison. You still have Ito Smith. You still have Todd Gurley. I think this is – I'm not as worried about the running back room as some other people were. I know that there were some good running backs in this draft class, and you probably could have gotten a really good one on the cheap, but not at the level of what you were probably getting – probably not what you were getting as far as value-wise with Marlon Davidson. So, overall, I think it's just not a sexy draft. That's why you're not hearing about it, but a good draft. So, that was that. That was the Atlanta Falcons, everybody. And now, on to the Lions. Yes, Detroit, Detroit. Matt Patricia's team heading up there with Bob Quinn, old uh, you know Patriots boys, if you will, Detroit Lions, um, the a team that we thought was on the way up, you know, led by Matt Stafford. They even looked good last year. Their first few games when they had Matt Stafford looked pretty dang good. They looked competitive. They looked like they were fighting hard, and even their losses, they looked like they were hard losses. So. Let's get into their draft, and we'll go into their free agency, all the things that went into it. But before we even get into the draft, clearly, you know, this always happens. I said we're going to get into the draft. There's always some move we have to talk about. And the number one move is clearly Darius Slay got traded away from the Detroit Lions over to the Eagles for a third and a fifth round pick. So they lose Darius Slay. How do they replace him? They signed Desmond Trufant. And here they go. This is what's getting us into the draft, their first pick. Number three overall, right? They take Jeffrey Okuda, Ohio State, the player they wanted. They had options of Simmons and Browns. They were possibly on their board as well. And they said this is a well-coached guy, good pedigree, love talking to him. Uh, even his coaches from college have an NFL pedigree, uh, and they were able to reach out to a couple of them, a former Ohio State coach who works now for Boston. They were able to you know, talk to some of the Ohio State people, and they said, listen, man, this guy, this guy gets it. So... They liked Jeffrey Akuda. They had talked to people about moving down, but it didn't seem like there was a true interest in moving up to number three. So they take the best corner in the draft. They take Jeffrey Akuda, replace Darius Slay. Now they have Darius. Now they don't have Darius Slay. Now they have Jeffrey Okuda. Barracuda. Akuda. 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 Sounds like a song from the 90s, like a nice little K pop song, if you will. Uh, yes, Jeffrey Okuda, and on the other side, they have Desmond Trufant, formerly of the Atlanta Falcons. So they got their cornerbacks kind of hopefully solved. Um, and I, I like this pick, good pick. I don't think there's much I could say about it. He was a top 10 player in this draft, perfect. Uh, you know, he's probably one of the highest graded corners coming out since Lattimore and Jalen Ramsey. So let's just move to their second and third round picks, right? Because that's that's where the meat of the draft is. That's where you're getting some some true day one starters. And then also potentially you, you see the effects of it going on through the team. Plus, we're going to talk about depth charts anyway. Um, so in the top of the second round, right, they're picking at pick 35. Who do they take? They take DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. Um, played in a good conference, tight group of RBs in, that, like, in their room now. Um, you know, he's thicker and shorter than Carrion Johnson. They made a note of that. Catches the ball well. Good route runner. I agree. Um, they complement each other very well. I'm actually curious about this one. Like, there is probably a way to utilize both these backs and get them on the field at the same time. 
And they said, like, you want to stable a backs. Carryon Johnson was injured last year. You don't want to all of a sudden be stuck playing with, like, you know, a third-string nobody, especially if that's where the bulk of your game is. And plus, both those guys are great pass catchers. So now you're going to have DeAndre Swift, who you can maybe even utilize as a slot option. And you're going to also have Carryon Johnson, who, again, can pa pass catch very well. I'm hoping, you know, I'm not entirely sure it's going to happen, but you, you now hope that... Uh, that they get to utilize both those guys. Like, again, maybe you have Swift out in the slot, maybe use one of them to run block. And, and keep in mind, Carryon Johnson, and even to some extent DeAndre Swift, uh, not just play running back, but also take a lot of contact in the way that they play, especially Carryon Johnson. Carryon Johnson's been injured the last two years. So maybe getting him a backfield mate and split the snaps 50-50, you get some kind of weird, interesting, like uh, quasi-great team that you maybe would have had, like very similar to the Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara years of uh, of uh, the Saints. So, I, I, interesting pick, very high, to, uh, almost a first round pick, only you know pick thirty five. I'm not entirely sure, but you know that's the question of running back value versus you know are you taking just the best guy on your board? If he was the number one running back, they grade him as a first rounder. I'm sure they looked at him and said, well, we're not going to get this at the third round level, so let's go with him. Makes sense. So they go to the third round, right? Now you're thinking, like, well, what could they have gotten at the top of the second round? They probably could have gotten a pass rusher, right, like A.J. Epinesa. But they didn't go for A.J. Epinesa. No, in the third round, they do go for an edge. They go for Julian Aquar of Notre Dame. He's long, athletic, violent. He he's, was recovering from an injury. They have high expectations for him. Um, in fact, his brother, Romeo Aquara, plays already for the Detroit Lions, and uh, they kind of looked into that and they said, well, listen, like, you know, actually, that kind of they didn't draft him because of Romeo Quora, but they said, like, hey, wait a second. You know, uh, this is actually going to help him develop. He's going to know somebody already in the system has been in the system for a few years. So it works out perfectly. Uh, so then you go ahead and they also said, like, yeah, he's versatile. He he's uh, you know, he can use a little bit of. Uh, how do I put it? Yeah. <sighs> He, he's, he, he can use him in coverage a little bit. He could be kind of like this nice little matchup weapon. Uh, PFF Mike Renner was very high on this guy. Uh, again, just a, a favorite of certain people. Um, he's also just maybe a little bit of a homer, per se, because he's a, a former Notre Dame guy, but still. Uh, so, again, Julian Aquara, very interesting pick. They needed a pass rusher. He, he creates, like, an outside pass rusher edge kind of guy. Kind of reminds me of a Chandler Jones kind of player from what they used to have when they were with the Patriots, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. Now they also, third round, they go for uh, Jonah Jackson of Ohio State. Uh, they moved up from 85 to 75, had him, you know, had him at the Senior Bowl. He's a smart, nasty player, targeted since before the Senior Bowl. They wanted him. They, and remember, they they you know they coached them. Remember, they were they were one of the two teams that ran the Senior Bowl teams. So uh, you know they saw he went from Rutgers. He could have came out last year. They said, Nah, you know what? He went from Rutgers to Ohio State to compete against even higher competition to be on a tougher team. And so they trade a fifth to the Colts to move up ten spots so they can go ahead and take uh, Jonah Jackson from Ohio State. So as far as their day two picks go. That's a very good haul, right? You're getting a guard, a running back, and preferably a pass rusher. Now, running back and guard are usually not highly uh, valued positions, but you're talking about day two and guys who you believe can be high-end quality starters. Uh, one of the things we're going to talk about as far as free agency goes is they did lose Graham Glasgow and 
Rick Wagner. They cut Rick Wagner. Glasgow is already walking out to become a free agent. And they sign Halepolevatevaitai. I think that's how it's said. It sounds like a song that you sing at Christmas in Hawaii. Halepolevatevaitai is the thing you say. Anyway, they sign him in free agency. Maybe he'll play guard. Maybe he'll play tackle. But to fill out this offensive line, now you have Jonah Jackson to go up next to him with along with Frank Ragnow and Taylor Decker. Now they're really filling out this uh, offensive line roster. And by the way, they weren't even done. Round four, they go after Logan Sternberg out of Kentucky. Uh, he, you know, They considered him the best guy on the board. They picked him up. They traded back, picked up another pick, felt good about the player and the guy. Um, now you got two guards coming in that will compete for spots, You know, help build up the interior of that offensive line, uh, build up around Ragnow in between Decker and Halepulevete Vaitai. So I, I think that worked out. I think that was a smart move. Then they go after Quintus Cephas, a uh, strong player, physical, big catch radius guy. Uh, Bevel has a good relationship with his old coach and teammate that's there. His old teammate that's a coach there uh, was one of the guys they had circled. Uh, you know, They understood they had a disappointing combine, but he improved dramatically at his, uh, his pro day, one of the few pro days that actually happened because of coronavirus. Um, like I said, big catch radius, physical player. They were very interested in this guy. Uh, then they also went ahead and drafted in the fifth round, another fifth round pick, uh, Jason Huntley out of New Mexico State. This was a pick that they, you know, this is more of the uh, pass catching, small uh, gadget player kind of running back. Uh, they want all shapes and sizes in that running back room. He's a speed space player, going to compete with Ty Johnson for a roster spot probably. So Ty Johnson, you're on lookout. Then they take two de defensive linemen at the end of the this draft, right? It's round six, they take uh, a guy whose name you're going to laugh when I say it, John Pinasini. Uh, he was a Utah defensive lineman, good run stopper. This is a, a guy that you know I think a, a few different people had had rated pretty well for day three. He might be a plug and play starter. You know he's good. He, Utah had a good defense. He did the dirty work, right? Good scheme fit for what they want to do. Good two-gapper, can play low to the ground, culture fit, hard worker. He's against the run player. Then, round seven, they pick up uh, Jashawn Cornell, Ohio State, more of a pass rusher, DN3 technique. Good def good in, in a good defense, showed up on film making plays. Um, again, these are just two different kind of guys that they picked up in the later rounds that, again, help fill out their defensive line depth. Uh, they also... I usually don't go into UDFAs, but they also picked up Hunter Bryant, an undrafted, an undrafted free agent guy who, you know, was pegged to be maybe even a, a top uh, day two, you know, a guy in the day two, you know, round three, early second, or late second round kind of player uh, as tight end, but he had an injury concern that made teams kind of take him off their board. So, again, very, very interesting draft, very good draft. Um uh, shockingly, I feel like the Falcons and the Lions had this issue, right? Where a lot of people kind of forgot how good their draft was, right? Maybe because they didn't take players that everybody had valued highly, or maybe because they, they were just assuming they would take those players. But they both went corner in the first round, trenches in the second and third round. Um, oh, yeah, Lions went running back as well with uh, DeAndre Swift. Uh you know, on Bob Quinn's conference call, they talked about trades. They had no firm offer for the third overall pick. The trade market was non-existent. Few teams showed real interest in it. Um, teams do an in-depth analysis of each other's roster rosters. They do explore it. This is what I learned from, like, kind of really getting to know and watch these interviews is that he's talking about, like, what teams do on their end, right? They do anal analysis of every team, what they want to get in the draft, 
and how much it's they're going to really want to like explore on trading and, and drafting certain types of players. Uh, they did look into trading back on day two. Uh, didn't really get a call. They wanted Swift, so they went with Swift. Um, they did make a lot of calls to college coaches, more so this time than they usually do. Uh, they did even evaluate Tua because they evaluate every position. They called uh, everybody they could to evaluate Tua. They talked to him. They said he was a very, uh, a very uh, a good leader, uh, impressive individual. They just did not go with him. Um, they look at their day one and two guys as uh, instant contributors. High expectations. There's no truth that they were back. Uh, they ever backed out of the trade with the Texans, which is the rumor with the Grenard pick with the Texans. Um, and with all these guys, they made an effort to point out to leadership qualities as part of the what made them get their uh, do their decisions. Um, they also made a a point about their relationship with particular universities and coaches, and how those colleges thought of the player. Right. And then keep in mind, they've had a very vivid free agency, right? Very, very big turnover. They also keep in mind also lost about 10 members of their coaching staff. They had a high turnover on the coaching staff. This is not a good sign for uh, Matt Patricia. When you have that much of a turnover, you're three into your coaching staff. That means you're probably on the hot seat. Ten, ten uh, assistants have all been gone turnover wise in that roster. Um, in free agency, right, they went ahead and signed Desmond Trufant, formerly of the Falcons, two-year, $21 million deal. They signed Danny Shelton, formerly a Brown and a Patriot, now going to be joining uh, Patricia over in Detroit. They signed Chase Daniels, formerly of the Bears, to a three-year deal um, to be the backup to Matt Stafford. Hopefully they think this is an upgrade to uh, Jeff Driscoll. I don't know why you would think that, but a good uh, a good uh, locker room presence, though, so I, I, I get it. Uh, this guy gets paid a lot of money not to, not to really throw the ball too often. Uh, they signed Jamie Collins, another former Patriot, uh, now a three-year deal, $30 million. They uh, they signed a couple of other guys like Nick Williams. The big one, I've already mentioned him, Halepolevate Vaitai. I told you, man, very fun word to say. Very Halepolevate Vaitai is the thing you say when you're the Detroit Lions and you need all line. So, yeah, they signed him to a five-year, $50 million deal. That's a lot, right? But it, may, it makes sense when you look at their losses, right? They cut their losses on Rick Wagner. They kicked him out the door. Former Ravens right tackles, gone. Now he's over with the, pa the Packers. Um, they also signed – they got they lost Rashawn Melvin. He's a free agent. Devon Kennard left. He's a free agent. He went to the Arizona Cardinals. Melvin's now a Jaguar. Uh, Glasgow, uh, Graham Glasgow, their former guard slash center, he's now he was a free agent. He went to the Denver Broncos. Um, Mike Ford, defensive back, gone. Oh, he was signed. <laughs> that was one that they signed. And then Jeff Driscoll left. He went ahead and signed somewhere else as well. And then they trade away Darius Slay. So they've had a lot of roster turnover here, right? They traded for Deron Harmon from the Patriots. They they were they really are at the point where they are trying to tweak this roster to get it to what Matt Patricia wants, and this is his last shot, right? You are going to lose your job if you don't go ahead and make this a high-caliber roster this year. It is playoffs or bust for Patricia. you got to show that you know what you're doing. So what does this say about this team, right? High turnover is never a good sign. They're in a rough division, but a division where there might be opportunity, right? You, you look at the Packers. They didn't really address anything uh, 
they didn't address anything that made their team better in the offseason, right? When you look at uh, what they did in the draft, when you look at what the Packers did in free agency, it was really all about making sure they stayed at least as good as they were last year. That's not a way to play the game, folks. You get better or you get worse, right? It looks like the Packers did not really get better, um, and they might have gotten worse, right? We're not talking about the Packers today. Then you look at the Vikings. Vikings had a mass exodus on the roster, a lot of rookies coming in. That, that's an opportunity right there, too, right? If, you're, if you have that much turnover on your roster, they lost Xavier Rhodes, Linval Joseph, Everson Griffin, uh, Trey Waynes, uh, Mackenzie Alexander. A lot of pieces left on that offense, uh, on that defense, right? And even the offense, they traded away Stephon Diggs. They had to draft another receiver in the first round. That never really goes well for the Minnesota Vikings. Just saying. We'll get to the Vikings. I won't, I won't trash them as much. I'm just trying to make Lions fans feel better with some hope and then uh so uh, again lions they have a little bit of opportunity here uh their division looks like it's not as solid to break through as it was a year ago lions also have a lot of uh, uh a lot of good pieces they re-signed amandola they have uh carry on johnson they have kenny galladay they've got marvin jones uh again they signed trey flowers last year they did not pick up Jared Davis's fifth-year option. We're actually not really technically talking about fifth-year options on this episode, but I just thought I'd mention it because it did happen. So, you know, again, they have uh, TJ Hawkinson, right? He'll be in his second year. Maybe he takes a step forward. They have a lot of pieces here. And you look at the rest of their division, and it's not as uh, – they're all kind of falling apart a little bit. Either they're staying about neutral, or you're like the Bears, and you're like, they don't know what their quarterback situation is. They didn't pick up uh, Trubisky's fifth-year option. Uh, the Vikings, the Vikings are kind of in a weird zone right now with their team. They uh, they, they have a new OC. Granted, it's Gary Kubiak, but they, they've lost a lot of pieces on defense. They... Uh, as far as it goes with the, the Detroit Lions, you look at their defense, now it's, you know, Nick Williams, Danny Shelton, Romeo Aquara, Trey Flowers, Jamie Collins, Jared Davis, Reggie Ragland, like a lot of different pieces here. Javon, Jelani Tavai, their linebacking core has gotten a lot deeper. Their uh, their defensive line looks kind of interesting. Uh, you know, now you have Julian Aquara going, you know, being a running mate with his brother Romeo Aquara. Uh, they still have Deshaun Hand. They lost Deshaun Robinson. They... Uh, they have Deron Harmon now. Their their safeties are a little bit, I guess, more fitting of what they want. You know, they had Deron Harmon, Tracy Walker, Jayon Curse, Miles Killebrew. Nothing, nothing that really makes you want to write home. But they've got a lot of pieces now. They got Jeff Akuda on one side, uh, Desmond Trufant on the other. Uh, as far as their slot corner goes, I, I, Justin Coleman, the guy who they signed last year, he played pretty well. He's played relatively well in the last few years. So. This defense has to take a step forward. It's all got to kind of gel. And then also the offense, you got to have Matt Stafford healthy. But the, their offense looked really kind of cool last year. It looked like it was going to work if Stafford stayed healthy. It just he didn't. So you need the defense to finally play what, you, what you've been paying the defense for. I think their run defense got a lot better between uh, the, the pieces that they signed. And uh, their pass defense should definitely be better. Although they lost Darius Slay, they got Jeffrey Okuda and Desmond Trufant. You hope that Okuda can get up to speed uh, to what the NFL requires him to. And Desmond Trufant, you're expecting a step forward. You're expecting him to return to Desmond Trufant's status. I don't know how... Uh, but those are both two big, long corners. So at least you have some viability there. Uh, and they also have Amani Oriorie, or, or Oriorie, 
whatever his name is. He'll compete for a cornerback job as well, maybe with Trufant or Okuda. He started showing a little bit last year as well. He was a second-round pick all that, that long ago, about a year ago this time. So they got a lot of interesting pieces. The offensive line, again, they've got a lot of pieces to compete. Uh, Tyrell Qu- Crosby, who they took a couple years ago, he's been kind of their depth piece on the offensive line. Maybe he's competing for a tackle spot. I, a lot of people were actually a big fan of him coming out in his draft the year he came out. So with all these pieces there, there's a lot to like about the Detroit Lions. I think they can break into the playoffs this year. I don't think this is a team that is like they have to anyway. They have to. Patricia's like basically on his last legs here with his job. He's got to do it. I think there is a shot. Uh, Stafford has to stay healthy. The O line has to improve or at least be decent. And the defense has to really come together. You have to get what you were expecting from getting a Matt Patricia defense. I don't know how viable that is, but you have to hope. So, Detroit Lions, here's a lot of hope for you. If you want, you can follow the podcast at DraftVice on Twitter, at DraftVice underscore football on Instagram. You can follow me at Brojo Death Punch. That's B-R-O-J-O. Death is in the end of life. Punch. Yum. Delicious. Why don't we get some? Anyway. And then uh, like, follow, subscribe. Uh, also, if you're listening to this on iTunes, you can li- rate, leave a review. Tell me all the wonderful things you think about the Detroit Lions. Uh, like Patricia's... By the way, Bob Quinn, man. Very interesting man to watch on on uh, interview, man. I, I, he was talking about uh, getting done the first night and wanted to go ham on his refrigerator. So very very funny to watch a guy who seemed very white bread be very like i'm gonna go i'm gonna go town on that refrigerator he sounded like a dude had a really bad food fetish anyway um again detroit lions good luck more power to you i actually do believe you have a shot this year um if not because everybody else kind of faltered but you could do it i believe in you TTFN. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I'm about the past, I'm about the future. 